we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Senator Ron Johnson, direct from Washington, D.C. There's another name for that, of course, and it has been an interesting week in Washington, D.C. Senator, in the words of Johnny Cash, you have been everywhere, man. I saw you on ABC on Sunday. You were talking about the Supreme Court nomination hearings. Uh, I'm just curious, as we begin there, what have you thought about all that has occurred since you uh, talked about that on Sunday morning? Well, first of all, it's not a boring job. I, I, I grant <laughs> you that. Uh, I really think the Democrats are doing themselves a real disservice. Uh, all the disruptions, I mean, they're just coming across as rude and not with particularly good arguments. Uh, if, if this is just about a process uh, that they didn't get enough paper, uh, you know, I think I think the Republicans have done a pretty good job of refuting that. The the almost half a million pages is is more pages of information than mm. was turned over in the last five nominees. And and let's face it, the Democrats have more than enough information to make an evaluation of what kind of judge Kavanaugh has been, what kind of justice he will be, what kind of human being he is. And uh, so they have more than enough information. Let's face so many of them, including our own Senator Baldwin, already declared they were no before they probably even looked at one piece of paper. Right. So, again, it, it's, they're just making noise. They're, they're appealing to their base. Uh, I don't find it very appealing. I think most Americans don't find it particularly appealing, interrupting a, a good man. Uh, in, 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 in case of uh, Chairman Grassley, who's just trying to mm. run a hearing with uh, some level of civility, uh, so, again, I, I, I personally am pretty confident because of his qualifications, because of who he is, that uh, Republicans will support him. Uh, John Kyle now is just sworn in to replace John McCain, so that gives us a, a one-vote uh, threshold, let's put it that way, or you know, one-vote margin. And uh, so, again, I'm, I'm pretty confident that once we have 50 votes, we'll probably have a number of Democrats who are uh, in, in red states that probably also vote for the next justice of the Supreme Court. You said on um, ABC this week on Sunday that 30 years ago, Brett Kavanaugh would have passed unanimously. What happened? What has happened over those 30 years? How have we gotten here where we have this massive show, the resistance playing out in a Senate Judiciary Committee? Uh, Ted Kennedy is responsible for creating a whole new word a verb called borking, uh, when he <laughs> borked Robert Bork. Uh, and that's really what changed. I mean, prior to that, you had Scalia, you had Ginsburg, two completely different uh, judges ideologically, and yet they were confirmed overwhelmingly. Both of them got more than 90 votes. Yeah. And again, that, that's because prior to Ted Kennedy borking Robert Bork, uh, there was a, an assumption that elections mattered, that presidents got to nominate people that agreed with their philosophy, and, and you had a Senate uh, you know, basically say that that makes sense to us. But Democrats really turned this into an ideological litmus test. They want super legislators. They've also found out over the years that their liberal policies, their, their brand of socialism, doesn't sell very well. They can't pass it through legislators. So the only way they can get their policy preference over regulation, uh, those types of things, is through the judiciary. And so they, 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 they literally, you know, live off of super legislators, activist jurists, and that's all they want really appointed on, uh, on courts throughout the land. It's, it's been the singular achievement, really, one of the singular achievements of uh, President Trump's administration together with the Republican Senate. We have confirmed 26th Circuit Court 
nominees, uh, now hopefully shortly two Supreme Court nominees, a, a, a bunch of uh, district courts, and, and we're just populating with judges, which, which by the way, it's, it's a big difference. We're still at a disadvantage. We're confirming judges that will apply the law, a lot of law we disagree with. Okay, there, there, there are plenty of decisions of Brett Kavanaugh I wasn't particularly happy with, but he followed the law. He applied it. Right. He, he probably wasn't real happy with the result. But again, his job as a judge is to interpret and apply the law, not alter it. Democrats want judges that will alter the law, that will make policy, that will make law. Uh, and so we're still disadvantaged, but that's why it's so important. Elections matter. If you are concerned about the Constitution, if, if you believe laws should be applied uh, not altered. Uh, it's very important that we maintain a majority here in the Senate, in the House, and uh, we, we continue to elect presidents like Trump who will appoint judges, not super legislators. Senator Ron Johnson joins us on this MacGyver News Extra podcast today. Um, a final question in the Kavanaugh hearings. How do you feel that uh, the appeals court uh, judge has comported, has uh, conducted himself during what has been uh, a hearing quite like no other. Even uh, Dianne Feinstein, senator, liberal senator from California, had to acknowledge in Tuesday morning's questioning that there have been plenty of distractions during this process. That's to say the least. Well, I actually spoke to uh, Senator Feinstein in the morning, and uh, again, I, I think she'd probably like to see a hearing go a slightly different uh, direction in terms of just civility. But uh, what I've been able to watch and what I've heard uh, in terms of his response to questions, they've just been outstanding. He's showing himself to be unbelievably highly qualified, which, again, just makes it that much more difficult. I, I did listen to Ted Cruz's opening statement. He talked about, you know, in law, when the facts are on your side, you pound the facts. Mm -hmm. When the law is on your side, you pound the, the law. When you got neither of those two, you just pound the table. And that's really what the Democrats are you know, reverting to, their primal screen. They're just pounding the table and distracting from really the extraordinary uh, background and uh, really the, the, the excellent responses he's given to their questions. Speaking of extraordinary, I want to move the topic to something that was just breaking today as this podcast is being recorded. The New York Times took the unprecedented step of publishing an anonymous op-ed piece from what they say is a senior Trump administration official. Basically, um, you can call it however you want to call it. You can describe it how you want to describe it, but this is an individual along with like-minded people, according to this senior official, uh, sabotaging the or attempting to sabotage the agenda, the, the leadership, um, of President Donald Trump. I was, was curious if you had seen the editorial, what you're hearing in Washington, D.C. this hour about that particular issue. Well, I have to admit I've been kind of busy. I just had about an hour and a quarter meeting with Peter Navarro. met earlier privately with the Chinese ambassador. So I've, I have not seen that piece of news, so I really can't comment on it. No, I understand. It is a remarkable piece of information, and the individual declaring that he is part of the resistance movement, so to speak. Not necessarily the left-leaning resistance movement, but the institutionalized state movement that wants to keep effectively the status quo of government. On that topic, let's uh, switch focus the main reason we have government and why we have the federal government is to protect our citizens and protect our borders. 
I know that as chairman of Homeland Security and governmental affairs, you have been uh, doing just that, attempting to do so. Where do we stand right now? I think our listeners might be surprised at some of the stories you hear about uh, the porous nature of our borders, who's coming in, who's uh, going through, and the dangers that all of this presents. Well, let me first uh, modify your opening statement there. The, the top priority of the federal government is to protect our individual liberty. Yes. And yeah, in order yeah, to protect our individual liberty, obviously you have to provide a secure and safe uh, environment. You need right. to defend our nation. You have to secure our borders. And uh, in terms of defense of the nation, we do, we do a pretty good job. Uh, we've been working overtime. Uh, we have not been hit. We haven't had an airplane attack since 9-11, since we hardened our cockpits. Again, a very simple solution but very effective. When it comes to securing our borders, that has been a problem that has vexed multiple uh, administrations. And, and nobody had, until this administration has really dedicated their administration and, and really spent the political capital to attempt to do it. Uh, you know, from my standpoint, the first thing we have to do is we have to change our laws that incentivize the illegal immigration. You know, one of them is the, the Flores decision, the, the reinterpretation, which really forces uh, ICE and, and CBP to either catch and release individuals or separate parents from their children. Um, and that's what has played out here. But again, what we have done because of the, the new uh, policy, uh, we're not going to separate kids anymore. Nobody likes to see that. Uh, we really are back to full catch and release. And because CBP and ICE really can't determine in, his, in 20 days, is that really the father or is that a sex trafficker? Mm -hmm. Is that really the daughter or is that his traffic victim. Uh, we're just having to release them right now. And that's the reality that most Americans don't understand. Most Americans don't realize that we've had more than 200,000 unaccompanied children come into this country since President Obama instituted Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, which doesn't apply to these kids except that it was used by the traffickers as basically saying, come on into America, you won't be sent home. And by and large, they don't. 96.5% have stayed here since 2012. So, again, those are the incentives we have in our own law, our very broken legal immigration system that incentivizes all this illegal immigration. So, to me, that's the first and foremost thing we need to do is fix those laws. That's something that Congress has been very incapable of doing. But, obviously, we need better barriers in certain places. Don't need a 2,000-mile wall, but we need better technology. We probably need more boots on the ground. But, in general, the main thing is, from my standpoint, is we have to end those incentives. And we've got to show people, if you come to this country illegally, you're going to be apprehended. And if you have a valid asylum claim, sure, fine, we'll, you know, we'll adjudicate that. Uh, but if you don't, we're going to send you back to your home quick country as quickly as possible. When Michael Chertoff did that with an influx of Brazilian uh, refugees, uh, illegal immigrants in 2008, we went from 33,000 in one year down to, I think, 1,700 the next year just by enforcing our laws, sending people back because they did not have valid asylum claims. Just a couple of minutes. It actually works. Just a couple of minutes left with uh, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, kind enough to join us from D.C. today. And I guess I really have one question. It's a two-part question for you. Just first and foremost, some ob observations from you about your colleague, U.S. Senator John McCain, who passed away uh, recently. And on that topic... The, how else do I describe this, but the show that went on in the funeral for Senator John McCain, particularly from the left, 
and how I think a lot of Americans viewed it as a way to showcase the left's bitterness and hatred and vitriol for President Donald Trump. Well, I had the true honor of serving with John McCain, traveling with him primarily to, to Europe, where I saw that he was not only a national hero in America, but he was a national hero in so many Eastern European countries where he fought for individual liberty, for greater democracy, you know, individual freedom. Uh, and so, you know, and I also saw the scars, you know, the, the, the disabilities that John suffered for a lifetime because of his service to the nation. You know, we, we, would, we would have to help John on with his coat. We'd have to put his suitcase up into the overhead. You know, somebody had to comb his hair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you actually served with, with a man, you, you recognize the enormous sacrifice. And, and truthfully, you heard the story firsthand. I mean, how many people literally, when you're in a cage in Vietnam, knowing what, don't know whether you ever get out, knowing that you're going to continue to be tortured, and when you refuse to go home, when you're given the opportunity, your punishment would be probably increased. How, how many would people would choose to stay and do that high-integrity, honorable thing. So, I mean, to me, John McCain was a hero. I, I didn't agree with him in, in many cases. But there was no denying that he was a true American hero. He's irreplaceable. Uh, he was a figure larger than life. I, 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 didn't like, I did not like seeing anybody politicize the, that time of mourning, of celebrating a life very well lived. Uh, so, again, it was sad. It was a somber time, but I tried to look at those aspects of John McCain that were uplifting. Serving somebody who served a cause greater than himself for decades, uh, that, that's something to celebrate. That's something to appreciate. And, uh, you know, certainly nothing to uh, politicize. Just a quick follow-up on that. Uh, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey this week appoints uh, former U.S. Senator from Arizona, John Kyle, to the seat uh, now uh, vacated by the passing of John McCain. What do you think of that decision and how that will play out in the Kavanaugh hearings and moving forward these next four months? Because as I understand it, Senator Kyle has said that he will serve at the very least up until the, the, uh, you know, the congressional term is over. That's not saying he'll serve out the term of Senator McCain through 2020. Well, first of all, I think it's an excellent decision on Governor Ducey's part. Uh, we've all served with John, or a lot of us have served with John. He's got bipartisan respect. Uh, he, by the way, really was a leader in making sure that Sanders understood some of the risks, for example, in our, our, our declining capabilities just when it comes to our, our nuclear stockpile. Uh, so I'm really looking forward. John, John will take over, John Kyle will take over John McCain's committee assignments. Uh, including on mine. Uh, we, we haven't had the Senator McCain here for, for the last eight months, mm -hmm. and I'm really looking forward to working with John Kyle because he is such an expert on national security issues and you know so, some of the technical issues as it comes to our nuclear stockpile, but other things as well, you know, as well as securing the border. I mean, he's, he's another Arizona state senator, that their U.S. senator from the state of Arizona that really understands the immigration issue. So he'll be unbelievably valuable here in the Senate, and I'm really looking forward to working with him on my committee. Excellent. Senator, thank you so much for the generosity of your time. We certainly do appreciate getting a live update from what's uh, happening in Washington, D.C. these days. Well, have a great day. You, uh, you bet. Be well. God bless. Senator Ron Johnson joining us this week on MacGyver News Service's podcast, MacGyver News Service Extra podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Matt Kittle.